I speak to you in the name of God, who was and is and is to come. Amen. I wonder if you know what your first word was when you were an infant. What's the first word you said? Or if you're a parent, what about your child's? Do you remember their first word? First words are often celebrated and cherished. Sometimes they're even woven into predictions for a child's future. I remember I had a friend in high school who was a really good basketball player, and her dad was, would often say, her first word was ball, and she's been playing ball ever since. In a 2019 article from The Atlantic that explores early language, the author notes that words learned early in one language tend to be learned early in other languages too. For example, here are the top three most frequent first words in order in American English. Mommy, daddy, ball. In Kiswahili, they are mommy, daddy, car. And in Hebrew, they are mommy, yum yum, and grandma. I don't know where dads fell off on that one. Well, our son, Sam, stuck with the American trend, and mama was his first word, and he's working on a pretty adorable mame variation of mommy to help distinguish me from Amanda. But today, we get the first word of another sort. Our gospel is the opening verses of the Sermon on the Mount, and this sermon will stretch two whole chapters in Matthew's gospel. And it really, the sermon inaugurates Jesus' public ministry. And did you catch what the first word out of his mouth is? Blessed. Jesus goes on to repeat the word eight more times. Through blessing, he introduces himself to the disciples and the crowd that's gathered around them, rooting who he is in blessedness. But as Martha Stortz writes, He's also introducing the disciples to themselves. Jesus is showing them who they will become if they follow him. I think often we can read the Beatitudes as these kind of entrance requirements to the realm of heaven, like it's prescriptive speech telling us who we should be. But if you look, the Beatitudes are actually descriptive speech, as in... This is who you are. Here's some of what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You might think of this as those who are worn down by poverty, those that society has left behind while they are just trying to make ends meet. God will set things right, Jesus said, and in God's reordering, none will be poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Grief comes to all of us. But to put yourself for a moment in the shoes of one of Jesus's contemporaries, mortality rates were high, be it because of disease, war, housing, or food insecurity. All of these would cut lives short. They lived under imperial occupation, and Jesus and his contemporaries grieved their freedom and their land. Yet Jesus says, for all who mourn, comfort is coming. The great comforter is coming. Blessed are the meek, those who are gentle in a world that often feels like cold steel. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled and all will have enough. Blessed are the merciful, the peacemakers, the pure in heart. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are those who are persecuted for justice's sake. Jesus spoke to the crowd gathered on the mountainside where they were. In every sense of the expression, he met them where they were. He spoke to their real embodied lives. So many of them sought out wholeness when they came to him, and he spoke to them about blessedness. With these words of blessing to those gathered, a transformation begins. Because Jesus' words, they're not only descriptive, descriptive, they're also performative. You might think of it this way. When you make a promise or a vow, like you might make at a wedding or at your baptism, or maybe the promises that were made on your behalf at your baptism, you don't fulfill all that you're promising in that exact very moment. Rather, you make a commitment to be the kind of person who can make good on those promises that you're making over the course of your lifetime. Through decisions and actions, big and small, day in and day out, making a promise like this points us in the right direction. It's turning us toward living into that promise that we're trying to make. And by the end of Matthew's gospel, we can see that Jesus' blessing here is working in much the same way. By the end of the gospel, Those who are being blessed in this moment are actually the ones doing the blessing. They're the ones doing the work of ministry. The disciples are the ones clothing the naked and feeding the hungry and welcoming the stranger. And following Jesus, their lives start to reflect and bear witness to those qualities that are talked about in the Beatitudes. They are becoming the blessing. In today's reading, Jesus sits before the crowd, and I think he's sitting here before us as God's promise, as God's blessing made flesh, so that we might see that blessing among one another and hopefully even catch it within ourselves. Notice how up until that very last phrase, Jesus says, blessed are those who... blessed are those who... and then he shifts to say, blessed are you... When people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Just just when his listeners think that Jesus is talking about somebody else, he startles them with words that are just for you, for them. The way of Jesus runs counter to the ways of the world. And while here in the United States you might be thinking, I don't feel like I have too many people uttering evil against me or trying to persecute me or revile me. And we certainly, as people of faith, don't face those same persecutions that early Christians did or that Christians in other parts of the world still do. Jillian Englehart warns us not to be deceived. This is what she writes. When we live a life for justice... When we live a life for justice for the oppressed and the marginalized, when we extend mercy to the outcast, when we live the values outlined in the Beatitudes, the rulers of this world will resist us. 
the way of love that Jesus calls us to, it's not the easy way. It is the way of the cross. And yet, through the cross, we find life. I want to return for a moment to that article from The Atlantic on baby's first words. The author Michael Arid writes, though parents may insist that their children's first words are important to them, first worlds pale as a cultural institution compared to the big language milestone at the other end of life. Last words appear as trivial pursuit clues. Biographies standardly rely on them as motifs. Last words have even earned a subject heading in the Library of Congress classification. This weekend, I can't help but think about the last words of Tyree Nichols. I don't know what his first word was, but I imagine that calling out for his mom may have been his first word as well as his final word. His brutal death earlier this month is just one example of how far we have to go before those who hunger and those who thirst for righteousness are filled. The recent mass shootings in California and Washington State, Iowa, last night in Baltimore, they make this abundantly clear too. We have had over 40 mass shootings in the United States in 2023, and it is January 29th. So much of Jesus' time on earth was spent seeing other people, really seeing them for who they are. And in turn, he tried to help people see one another. His life was spent blessing others so that they might become the blessing that God created them to be. Tyree is more than his first word, and he's more than his last word. He was a skateboarder, a budding photographer, a father, a son. He was created in God's image. He, too, was blessed to be a blessing, as were the officers who took his life. They failed into living into this blessing, as each and every one of us do at times. We're unable to see that blessing, that image of God within ourselves and within the other people around us. We are surrounded, we are immersed in systems that do all that they can to try and tear us and keep us apart and only see the differences that we have. But at best, when we fail to honor God's blessing, that fundamental connection that each and every one of us share, at best when we fail to honor that, feelings are hurt. At worst, and all too often, the consequences are deadly. Before you ever uttered your first word, and beyond your last, you are blessed to be a blessing. What will your next words be? What will our words as a church be? Will we walk the talk? Lord, have mercy. Lord, give us strength. Amen.